Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host Jordan Ron on ESPN. ESPN.com Giants reporter. Boy, do we have a lot to talk about, right? Because over the weekend, Daniel Jones switched agents. So what does that mean? We'll get to that in a minute. Also, $45 million a year. What do we even make of that? What are we even talking about? That right there, if that's a conversation that's still going on, is a silly, stupid conversation. Okay, we'll get to that in a bit. Also, we're going to talk to the breakout wide receiver for the Giants this year. Most Giants fans didn't know anything about Isaiah Hodgins before, what, November? And really, he turned into probably their number one receiver by the end of the season. So he signs a new deal. It was an exclusive rights free agent. No-brainer for both sides there. Signs a new deal. He'll be back. We'll talk to him about that and his future and and how he got there. What a ride that's been. Uh, so... And and there's actually uh, there's been some funny little rumors about about uh, Isaiah Hodgins that went around on uh, social media. We'll, we'll, we'll bring that up to him. But let's start with the Daniel Jones situation because that the hope is that the Giants have Daniel Jones throwing to receivers, better group of receivers, in that, but also including Isaiah Hodgins, second year with him. Hopefully, he can grow and develop into an even bigger piece of this offense, this organization. But we know this. This is made abundantly clear to me by people in the organization. The Giants are bringing back Daniel Jones, okay? They're bringing him back. The only question is whether they could strike a long-term deal or whether they have to use the franchise tag, $32.4 million, non-exclusive. We'll get to the non-exclusive, exclusive first-round pick thing because people, that, that conversation also, out of control, just have no idea the reality of that. But let's talk about the agent change. So Daniel Jones has been repped by CAA. Jim Dent was his primary agent since he came into the NFL. Okay. Now he's been with him for four years, right? Now, all of a sudden, right before he hits free agency, really when they both sides are about to dig their heels in to negotiate a long-term deal, he decides to make a change. The timing of this speaks volumes. It means Daniel Jones wasn't happy with where things were, right? The two sides know approximately where each side is at. And the number that's getting thrown out there is $45 million. It was thrown out there by Mike Florio. Now, we could sit there and say Daniel Jones wants $45 million, and the conversation has sort of evolved into, spiraled into, should the Giants pay Daniel Jones $45 million? Should, you know, He wants more than $45 million. Should they go there? I mean, come on. What are we talking about? The answer to that is absolutely not. The Giants are not going there. Joe Shane is not going to pay Daniel Jones $45 million, $43 million, $42 million. You know why? Because there's a franchise tag sitting right there that says we can have you for this year at $32 million. So you think the Giants off one season are going to then pay Daniel Jones $42, $43, $44 million? I could go and ask ESPN for $45 million too. 
Guess what? They're going to come back and say, oh, you mean $40,000. Yeah, right? So Daniel Jones could say $45 million. They're not going to say yes. Okay, we'll start from there. No, that's outrageous number. Patrick Mahomes is in the $45 million range. Five quarterbacks are $45 million and above. Daniel Jones is not getting paid by the Giants $40-plus million, $42 million. That franchise tag is sitting there. And Joe Shane and company are not shy to let their running back walk if they need to, that running back being Saquon Barkley. And I say that because if they use the tag on Daniel Jones, it means Saquon Barkley is likely he's going to hit the market. And then they're capable of losing him. Now, I still think Saquon Barkley has more value to the Giants than anybody else, but that's a conversation for another time. We'll get to that later. Let's stick to the $45 million number that everybody's talking about. Should the Giants pay Daniel Jones $45 million? They're not paying him $45 million. It's not even a conversation when you should even be having. Now, the number I heard was that Jones wants in the $40 million range. There's people in his circle who think he's worth $40 million or more. Fine. Okay. Let's say they think he's worth $42 million. The Giants want to start at 35. Like I said from the beginning, if there's a deal, the middle ground, I thought was between like 35 and 38 million, 37, 38 million. That's the sweet spot for this deal. It's not 42 million. It's not 40 million. And it's certainly not 45 million. The Giants are not paying him 45 million. Let's stop with that conversation. Not happening. They'll put the tag on him. They'll slap the franchise tag on him if they have to. Now, yes, it'll mean they can't get the supporting cast that they'd like to have around them completely. But it won't mean they can't make moves. The Giants have 40, according to our roster management system that we use at ESPN, $43.5 million under the salary cap. They get another 6.7 from cutting Kenny Galladay. So now they're at 50, right? And then there's more money to, to create. You do something with Leonard Williams deal, get another $5, 7000000 million there, a couple other moves. You basically could get to close to $60 million, okay? So use 32 on Daniel Jones. That still leaves you with 28, which is plenty to work with. There's there's $28 million under the cap. Still would put them right now in the top half of the teams in the league. That's just with a $32 million placeholder or hard number of what Daniel Jones will count against the cap in 2023. So to think 45, 44, 43 million, don't even go there. A waste of your time. And yes, the Giants put the the tag on Daniel Jones. They're going to use a non-exclusive tag, $32.4 million. And yes, teams can then go and offer and you know offer Jones a deal, give him an offer sheet, and give up two first-round picks plus the offer sheet, which we're talking about if you, if you want to blow him away and have the Giants not match it because the Giants still have the, the option to match it. It'll have to be in the $40 million range to do that if you're one of these outside teams. No team is giving up two first-round picks for Daniel Jones. I hear people say this. Well, well let someone go give him give him two first-round picks, put the franchise. No, that's not happening either. Let's take a step back to reality. To reality here. Reality is not $45 million, and it's not anybody giving the Giants two first-round picks and paying Daniel Jones over $40 million a year, okay? So step back to reality here. Daniel Jones is going to be on the Giants, okay? And if his asking price is in the $40 million range, which is what I heard, they even asked us to say 41, 42, low 40s, right? There's And the Giants say, we well, you think you're 35. There's a middle ground there. 
that I still think both sides can land on. Now, if Daniel Jones says, I'm worth more than 37, 38 million, fine. He's going to be playing on the franchise tag for 32 million. Go out and prove it again. And to think for a second, I spoke to a source this summer, team source this summer, and what was made very clear to me about the Daniel Jones situation. Because at the time, this revisionist history, if you think the Giants should have picked up his fifth-year option. He was coming off a neck injury. He missed the final six games of last season with a neck injury. You could not you, you pick up the 50-year option and guarantee him that money off a neck injury, okay? So they made the right decision. And they said, and the team source told me this, if they still have the franchise tag or could sign him to a long-term deal before the start of free agency, either during the season or after the season. Those were two options that they looked at, that they knew. So they were planning for this for the past year. So this was part of their planning. The possibility that Daniel Jones plays pretty well and they have to find the middle ground on a long-term deal or use the franchise tag. And that's where we're at right now. The likelihood when he switches agents seems to be that they're heading towards the franchise tag. But maybe when it, when, when push comes to shove and they offer Daniel Jones, you know, his deal, and it's going to be basically in, you know, $100 million guaranteed, whatever, $38 million a year, right? That first two years, that's in the $76 million range. Plus if you, you know, you have the, the uh, signing bonus, I mean, you're in the 80, $90 million range, hundred million dollar range. That third year is going to have to be, you know, guaranteed in some way, shape or form. That's the only deal Daniel Jones is going to accept something like that. But then you're sitting there and he says, do I really want to haggle? They're at 40. I'm at 42. They're at 36. Let's just get the 38, get a deal done, solidify my family and my future for generations to come. And then you don't have to worry about it for a few years. You're home. This is his home now. Daniel Jones likes living and the, the benefits of being in New York more than people realize, right? I wouldn't say he's flashy or he's out of clubs, but he does like the stuff that comes with being in New York being a quote-unquote star because he's a, the quarterback of the New York Giants, you go out to a restaurant, they treat him like a star, right? You want to go out in the city, they treat him like a star. So I think Daniel Jones does like that. He does enjoy that. And, you know, he's become close to a lot of guys on this team, specifically guys like Saquon Barkley and Sterling Shepard. Now, we don't know if they're going to be back either, which maybe throws a wrench into the situation. But is it really worth risking it for, you know, a few million dollars a year, right? Or do you take the hundred million when you have the opportunity, especially after you had a neck injury the previous year? Because you never know. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. So I think there's a middle ground that they could come to here. Unless Daniel Jones is just absent in his camp or just absolutely insistent on getting a certain number and maximizing. And what is it for really at that point? If you're making a hundred million dollars, it's, it's, it's just the ego, right? You're saying. I'm worth this amount of money. I deserve this. That's all it is at that point. Ego. So in the end, Daniel Jones is going to be the Giants quarterback next year. That's going to happen. The only question, can they come to terms on a long-term deal? And now that's a, a lot of that's in the hands of Brian Murphy and his and Dan Daniel Jones's new team at Athletes First to sit down with the Giants. And, and the combine is going to be huge. Next week, combine. That's where people get face-to-face, -face, look each other in the eye, 
and talk about free agents and a lot of deals. So that'll be an opportunity for the two sides to sit down and see if they can get closer. They have till March 7th in the franchise tag date. Free agency doesn't start for another couple weeks. Really, you could just slap the franchise tag on them, which they likely will. It could be a placeholder until, I believe, early summer, June, I believe it is. You could still sign a long-term deal. Might even be July. But that's how this Daniel Jones situation is going to work. And it's not going to be with $45 million conversation. I'm not bringing that up anymore. Stupid conversation. Over. Let's move on to the next one. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, let's bring in Giants wide receiver Isaiah Hodgins here. Newly re-signed, Isaiah. Congratulations on that. Tell me, how's your offseason going and what's that feel like now, knowing you're going to be back with the Giants next season? Yeah, man. I appreciate you having me. I mean, it, it definitely feels good, man. I feel like, you know, we we ended last year not exactly how we wanted, but, you know, we had some momentum and, you know, I feel like we can build off that. And I'm just excited, you know, to be able to showcase what I can do in a full season, uh, you know, with this team. You brought that up. So what do you what do you think that is? What do you what do you look at it? What, what do you think you can do in a full season with this team? Yeah. I mean, I have, I have high aspirations for myself and, you know, it will always be like that. Um, you know, I, I always write my goals down in my notes, um, you know, before the season, well, before the season even starts, you know, while I'm uh, training. So I'm kind of in the process of doing that now, but I mean, I, I don't sell myself short of anything. You know, I think, you know, as long as I'm out there on the field and, you know, I'm given opportunity and then I'm doing my part of taking advantage of it, you know, I can, you know, set career numbers and, you know, again, in yards, catches, touchdowns, you know, all that. So, you know, my goal is just to go out there and do my part to, you know, help the team win games. So I'm curious, last year you're in Buffalo, right? You end up with the Giants. You you know, you know that in Buffalo, they've got some big receivers. It's going to be hard for you to get on the field and, and, and make a huge impact. What were the goals last year and did you crush them or were they still above what you end up doing here with the Giants? Yeah, I actually, so when I wrote down my goals last year, it was kind of based off what you were saying. Like, um, I knew that, you know, if I made a team, I was going to be like the fifth, sixth receiver on the team. So I like I literally wrote down for my goals, like, hey, like 200 yards and two touchdowns on the season. Like, you know, just to kind of get my feet wet and get momentum going into next year. And, you know, um, obviously coming to the Giants, I crushed those goals and um, surpassed that, you know, I mean, not too far into my you know, probably four or five games or whatever going into it. So, I mean, I just think, you know, I'm going to set the bar in this 
standard even higher for myself. And, you know, some people might see it as unrealistic or you might not get that. But I, I know that with my hard work and my work ethic, that you know, I, I earn those stats and everything right now in the offseason. So, you know, that's my goal to sit there and work as hard as I can right now. So how crazy was everything, right? Because you 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 get claimed off waivers. You come, you start making an impact, and you kind of got caught up in the uh, the tornado of New York in a way, right? I mean, you were dating Margot Robbie on uh, on Twitter, <laughs> you know. I mean, and I say that jokingly because you're married with a kid, Margot Robbie. Robbie, by the way, I don't, I don't know if you know. She's been, I, I looked this up. She's been married for seven years as well, but. <laughs> But this this is sort of like the craziness of everything, like happens so fast. You, you, you're starting to make an impact. You know, you're on Good Morning Football. You're all over the place. There's rumors on the Internet. You're dating Margot Robbie. Uh, what was that like? <laughs> yeah, it, it was definitely different, man. I mean, it was it was crazy and it's funny all at the same time. I mean, I, I love Giants fans and. You know, they're definitely uh, passionate about what they do. You know, I've said it multiple times, like if if you're doing good, they love you. If, you know, you're doing bad, they're, they're very passionate about it. So, but I mean, that's, you know, majority of fan bases around there in the NFL. But, uh, you know, it, it definitely was crazy. I mean, I had so many people sending me a tweet of just like, bro, like, <laughs> look what happens now. Look at all these rumors. And like people were, some people were laughing, you know, other people were like, no way this is actually happening. Like, you know, my agent said <laughs> to me, was like, this is what happened. There were some people that believed it, though. Uh, I would say <laughs> I, I wouldn't say necessarily believed it, but they were just kind of like, man, like the fact that like rumors and stuff is just are like building upon you. Like that's just crazy. That just shows like what happens when you know you start playing and catching touchdowns in New York. And uh, but I mean, yeah, it's definitely been a fun and crazy experience, as you said, man. Like Good Morning Football and all that stuff for the first time. I mean, you know, being course at a Knicks game and stuff like you know all that stuff. It was just kind of like surreal and just like fun to kind of like take in for the first time. Yeah, your agent, by the way, Zeke Sandu, obviously the agent for Odell Beckham Jr. So he kind of knows, yeah, this is New York can get crazy because nobody knows that better than Odell. He made that one handed catch and, you know, all hell broke loose for like the next yeah. five years. It was completely wild. I, I Here's the question I need to know, though. What did your wife think when she saw or heard about the Margot Robbie thing. <laughs> <laughs> she, um, I'm not going to say she was mad, but she definitely wasn't happy. She was kind of like, <laughs> you know, she was one of those like, kind of not like crazy annoyed, but like, uh, like here go, here go Giants fans again. Like, you know, starting up rumors and stuff. And <laughs> it, it was like, it was like kind of like a funny slash annoying moment for her too, because then all her friends were, were sending her the tweets and like, Oh my gosh. Like, and you know, sometimes like, you know, like people who don't really watch football or stay in like the Twitter world, like are kind of oblivious to that stuff. They don't, they don't know it's like a joke or a troll or anything. So, right. you know, if uh, just your average person is seeing it, they might think it's true. You know? so, so you have to sit there and uh, squash some of the rumors and stuff. <laughs> well, that's because like, you know, people who aren't on social media a lot, somebody just sends them the, you know, the tweet, right. They send it in like a group text and like, Oh, look at this. And you just yeah. think it's like completely taken out of context. You're like, what the heck is that? Yes, exactly. Exactly. I'm sure, I'm sure you didn't expect to wake up that day and see that though. No, and, and no, who didn't have was uh, uh Slayton, man. Slayton yeah. went over there quoting it and his quote got like 10,000 plus likes and all this. <laughs> and I'm like, man, you're over here feeding feeding all the energy to that. All right. Why Slayton keep clowning you, huh? 
Why do why, 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 why does he like picking on you? I saw him. He did that with the Margot Robbie tweet. He did that with the best personality tweet on. You know, he was tweeting about him. Why, what, what's up with that? Because so Slayton deep down knows that I have one, uh, definitely a top five personality on the team. And that was like what I came in with. Like, you know, Daniel and Slayton would tell me all the time. They're like, man, this guy never stops. Like, did, does he ever shut up? Like, is you know, and I, I would just stay on their case like all the time. So I was always giving Slayton a hard time. So whenever he could give me a hard time about something, he he definitely uh, take, takes a shot. So. All right, all right, I got it. But you, you, you might, you might have to uh, put him in his place at some point. So we'll, we'll see. <laughs> I, I'm curious. So you come in, you make such a big impact in a, in a short period of time, right? How did you? How did that chemistry with Daniel Jones? How did you? How did that happen so quickly? Yeah, I mean, it just goes back to I think both of our dedication and, and hard work um, for the game, and really Daniel and just like his leadership and just like his field general mentality and just how many times he would pull me aside in between periods or before practice or after practice and get on the same page with me and make sure like we went into the game knowing exactly what the defense was going to do. And if they did this, what he wants me to do. So like we were just on the same page about everything. And he prepares like, I mean, no one I've seen, man, the amount of film study that he does and how dedicated he is to his job. I mean, I know a lot of people say that, but, He's really like the definition of that. And uh, I mean, I just think that's why he's going to continue just to get better and better as the years go on. There is the contract situation with him now. How surprised would you be or or what would your reaction be is probably a better way to phrase it if he wasn't your quarterback here with the Giants next year? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, it would be different, man. I've in the short time that I've been with Daniel, I've, I've definitely built a close relationship with him and I know. A lot of the players on the team have too. So it, it would definitely be a, a tough pill to swallow. But I mean, you know, it's part of the business and, you know, what happens in the NFL. And if he has an opportunity to get, you know, money elsewhere, then, you know, that's between him and what his agent and his family thinks. But, you know, I, I hope that it's with the Giants. And, you know, I hope they see eye to eye with that. And I hope he can, you know, stick it out for a couple more years with us. But, um, you know, sometimes it's just how the business goes and you never know what's going to happen and you never know how negotiations are going. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we kind of just have to be patient and wait and see. What's the chatter among teammates at this point? Like, I know you, I know Slayton loves to talk about this stuff. I'm sure I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure he's chirping at something. What, what, what's that like at this point when you have guys like him and Saquon and even uh, Slayton's actually a free agent, too. So all, all yeah. these guys, what, what's the chatter between players as we sit here? What is it like? uh three weeks before the start of free agency. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's kind of tough because usually we're all in the building together. So like we can sit here and talk about this stuff every day and we could really see, you know, what's happening and like all this stuff. But you know, right now, like everyone's dispersed. So really like we're seeing just like all this same information that you guys are seeing, like unless we reach out to like each other directly. So we're kind of like sitting on Twitter, kind of waiting for the same news that you guys are. But I mean, you know, me and Slayton are definitely a, talked a couple of times and just hope that, you know, we can get as many people um, back that we had on the team last year as possible. But, you know, obviously, you know, whether it's a Super Bowl team or a team who didn't make the playoffs, I mean, everybody knows that like teams change so much year by year. So that's what makes teams so unique like that year. So, I mean, you know, we're, we're hoping that we can get as many players back um, for next year, but, you know, it's part of the business. Do you try and avoid talking contract with guys that you know are free agents? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I don't necessarily like avoid it. Like, I'll talk to them and like ask them, like, hey, like, what are your thoughts? Like, 
what what type of money you're trying to get like you're trying to stay you're trying to leave and you know like i kind of like ask like like, you know basic questions like that but you know sometimes people answer sometimes they don't like so you know it's kind of just like up to them for you personally right i'm curious uh why do you think it didn't work as well in buffalo as it did with the giants yeah i just i just think it's like a matter of just like opportunity i think that buffalo knew i could play um i mean the receiver coach who just went to jacksonville coach tad would tell me that all the time and tell me like hey like you know if there wasn't if it, if i had to pick one other like red zone guy besides Diggs to run all these routes like you know it would be you but you know it's like you have stefan Diggs there so like obviously you know i'm not going to sit there and take those routes and playing time over him so i just think like and they had great receivers man i mean gabe davis you know was doing his thing. I mean, scoring four touchdowns last year in the playoff game versus the Chiefs and all that. So like they just had a, a bunch of a bunch of dogs right there that, you know, were either drafted in front of me or like kind of like traded or like signed there as free agents. You know, Manuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, like Isaiah McKenzie was there for like three, four years. So just like a lot of people that like, you know, were kind of already established and with me being hurt my rookie year and stuff, it was just kind of like um just kind of like a window of opportunity that you know, I wasn't really getting, but they saw what I could do in practice and camp and like play. And so they knew like the potential was there. But then when I came to the Giants, you know, like, I mean, Dayball still saw that same potential and stuff and said, hey, now we're going to give you opportunity. Like, you know, there's there's more room here. And me giving that opportunity, you know, he just continued to give me more and more every week. So I, I'm thankful for that. I'll get to Dayball in a second. But what did the what did the Bills tell you of why they cut you then? Uh, uh it was they, they said number, it was number like number crunch kind of deal. Yeah, so they had um Jordan Poyer at the time was was hurt and they had the trade for a safety and I was kind of like they had to let two guys go. So it was like a D lineman and it was me and they were hoping I mean they told me like hey like we're you know we're hoping they sneak through waivers and get you back on the practice squad and then you know we'll get you back on the active roster in a couple of weeks and you know, that was kind of like my, my, our mindset going into it. So, you know, I was hoping to be back on the active over there, like just in, you know, maybe three-ish weeks or something like that. And then, right. you know, that day they, the Giants claimed me off waivers. So it was, it was like, a for, for them, it was like a bittersweet because I had a good relationship with all of them. So, you know, they, they wanted to see me like do good and like play, but you know, they couldn't really make room for me like on that roster. And then, and, for me, you know, it was just like an exciting, like, finally, like, here's an opportunity moment. Like, you know, let me get a fresh start and like, go show what I could do. Right. Brandon Breen should know better. Like, you know, Dable and Shane are sitting over here, you know, the Buffalo, <laughs> Buffalo South. Yeah. Of, of course, they're going to jump <laughs> with with a holes at hole at wide receiver position. Of course, they're going to jump on that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you, I mean, did you I, even think of that? I, I slightly did. And I was like, you know, what if the Giants claim me? But I was kind of like, ah, like, you know. I don't know. Like it's, it's mid season, you know, sometimes teams kind of just write it out with what they have. Like, you know, we'll, we'll see. And then my, my agent texted me and was like, bro, the giants. And I was like, kind of like, like, is he just like joking and saying like, Oh, we should go there in the future. And then like, right after he texted me that I started getting all these text messages and FaceTime call from like all the giants personnel. I was like, Oh man, he's, he's being for real. (laughs) What did you, what did you expect when you came here? I know a lot of people like, think they're going to live in Manhattan. Yeah. Like next thing you know, you're like in New Jersey and everything's in New Jersey. What, what were you expecting when you came to the giants? Like, what did you hear about them? What did you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I didn't really like, as far as like player wise, like, you know, I kind of like 
you know, we would talk about like Slayton and DJ and of course Saquon and everyone and stuff. But like, obviously like I didn't know too many people outside of just like the Buffalo guys who like, you know, Davis Webb and Matt Breida and, you know, some of the players like that. So, or Nick, Nick McLeod. So, you know, like I, I didn't know really anybody outside of that. So at first, you know, I was kind of just staying in my own lane, kind of trying to prove myself and practice practice and and games and everything and just really like focus on the opportunity I had at hand and you know more I started to do that like I just think like the more like camaraderie I started to build with the team and the more they started to trust me and then next thing you know I just kind of started bonding with them day by day and kind of try to make an effort to like you know click in with them and I mean next thing you know them and some of those guys were like great friends of mine that like I was thrilled to see every single day at work so the familiarity with Brian Dable obviously played a part in you you coming here did you feel that when you got there like that it was just natural for you and yeah what what makes him what makes him so good at what he does yeah i mean i i think it was it was natural and easy for me just you know have knowing a lot of the offense and knowing that um, he, it was just like f- comfortable just for me to go in there and just transition and go right away. And did it feel like the same he, offense? Yeah, it wasn't like exactly the same. Like he tweaked some stuff, but like a lot of the base stuff was like the same. So he'd be like, Hey, remember this concept that we did in Buffalo? Yeah, we're going to do this. Or uh, now that you're here, you know, like we can, we're going to go back to this and I want you to help teach some of the guys some of this. So like it was just kind of like easy stuff to like, all right, like, you know, Pull up film and like this is how we used to do it in Buffalo, and then you know just sit there and kind of execute it. So like it was like an easy transition, and he trusted me with a lot because he known he's known I've been in the offense for two to three years already, and I think he's just good at what he does. And what makes him him is just again like I say all the time, but just how real he is. And, you know how much of a straight shooter he is. He's gonna praise you and and tell you when you're doing good, and he's gonna tell you when you're doing bad and you know might cuss you out every once in a while but i mean players respect that because like they know like he's being real they know he's not sugarcoating they know what you're going to get out of him and it's it's hard to get that in this league a lot so i mean you you don't see a lot of like the politics and like um i don't know just like playing favorites with day ball it's more like hey like whoever's doing good who's got the hot hand whoever's balling like he's going to be out there do you guys watch him in the media at all? Because he tries to play like steady Eddie in the media. And I'm, I, I sit there and scratch my head. I'm like, man, we see you on the sideline. We see yeah. you. Like, yeah. You know, he, he, you're he steady a, Eddie, man. Yeah. He has a switch, man. He, he, um, he, he knows definitely when the, when the switching on and off. I mean, he tells us, he tells me all the time and I, I, I don't believe him at all, but he, tells me he's like oh like when i go home like i don't i don't cuss at all i don't swear i don't anything and i'm like yeah, he like, told I've me seen that you. too man he told me that yeah and too. i'm like dave i've seen you cuss grown men out on the sideline like it was nothing on a sunday like i i, I don't know man and he's like no i swear like i don't so i mean he he's he thinks he has a switch so <laughs> maybe he does if he does he's a better man than me i'll tell you that much yeah yeah so for what's, real. what's the plan for you for the off season? what is it that you want to focus on? How do you take your game now to the next level? Yeah, I mean, um, I just think continuing just to get uh, bigger, faster, stronger, and um, the stuff that I do good at, like really perfect it. You know, like my route running, my releases, and some of the the separation I can get at the top of routes, and really perfect that stuff so I could go into next year like really crafting on that. And then I think just working on my overall explosiveness for you know yards after catch and turning slants instead of you know, 10 to 15 yard catches 
to, you know, 30 plus yard explosive plays and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's really my goal. You know, I'm, I'm sitting at around like 210 right now and I want to be at like, you know, 215 plus of like, you know, just like extra muscle mass and just, you know, low body fat still, um, you know, just like really just explosive fast and like ready to go. You're out in Arizona, right? And the Super Bowl is out there and all the players come through for the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Do you notice people like have, like that you've gained a lot of respect? Did you notice that at all? Or people sort of recognize you where they may, maybe wouldn't have like a year ago? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that definitely happened. And, and, you know, stuff like that's kind of surreal and awesome, too. You know, I mean, there was so many events that I went to that. I mean, even before like the Super Bowl, like Darius Slade was coming up to me when we played him, like the first couple of plays, I was like, man, your story's so cool, man. Respect your story. Like, it's awesome to see, like, your baller. I mean, a, a bunch of different players, you know. I mean, I've been working out with Christian Kirk lately. He's been telling me, like, how much he was watching me and, um, you know, like, how much he, he loved my game and everything. And just, like, a lot of players that, you know, usually weren't really, like, obviously, you know, like, aware of me and stuff for now or kind of, like, coming up to me or aware, like, you know, training with me and stuff. So, you know, it, it's kind of cool to see. That's got to be pretty awesome. What do you What do you think when someone comes and tells you that? Like Darius Slay comes up to you and says, "Yo, your story is great. That's a great story, man. Keep it up. You know, keep doing." Your yeah, thing. Um, I mean, it definitely. It, it's kind of like a. It's just kind of like a surreal moment. Kind of like helps me like realize like how far I'm like for being on the sideline, not even dressed for some of these games, and kind of just like taking mental notes and watching. You know, telling myself what I'm gonna do when I get there to. Now I'm there and, you know, these guys are coming up to me, respecting me. But, you know, now I have to take that next step into like, you know, next year they're going to be, you know, preparing and they're, you know, not everyone's going to be like shocked and, you know, people are really going to give me their best. And so, you know, I'm going to have to go out there and make sure I'm prepared for that to, you know, receive the best and, um, you know, really go out there and still make plays. Your dad was a an NFL player as well, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Fullback, what a Super Bowl with the Rams. Do you have any memories like or does he or does he like, you know, does he flash that ring in, in front of you? Like what what's what's that yeah. what's that like for you? Um the the only stuff I really I don't remember any times of him with the Rams, but I remember a lot with the Cardinals. That was when uh, you know, we grew up out here and stuff a little bit. He was that was his longest team he was with. So I remember a lot of that and a lot of players. So that was always just like fun moments running on the field, meeting players. And I remember his uh, last year in the NFL with the Jets. So it was kind of like, you know, a cool little like homecoming when I'm like, dang, like I, I live in Jersey now and, you know, playing. Full the, circle, man. Full circle. Yeah. Full circle. Like we, we I was there. He probably was now. in Long uh, Island, though. If you're with the Jets, you're out in Long Island, aren't you? At that time, Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's that, that's where we were at. But um yeah, so it's just kind of, like, funny for him to, like, come back and, like, you know, see, like, dang, like, you know, this is places he used to play or go and just, like, all that stuff, so. Ever any doubt you were going to be a football player? That You said ever doubt? Was there ever any, like, when you were a little kid, did you always want to be a football player? Was it Oh, yeah, like, yeah, for a, sure. Like, I would be in the NFL, little kid, you yeah. know, see your dad, like, was it, was it always that Yeah, for, for sure. I, I have, a, like, a note I wrote myself in, like, fifth grade that was, like, it was like obviously I didn't get drafted there, but like I, this is back when the Chargers were in San Diego, and I like told myself I was like I'm gonna get drafted to the San Diego Chargers, and I'm gonna go play, and I'm gonna play this long in the NFL, and like I I knew like the second I fell in love with the game, I was like I want to be here and I want to play and I'm gonna play a long time. So I like had that in my head like my whole life. So. Why San Diego? I mean, I, we just always went there as a kid, and like I feel like I kind of like loved that area, but. I mean, given that they're in LA now, like it's totally different. But I, like I mean, it, that man. was like I was like little, so that I feel like 
that was the team I really like. I only really knew teams in California. Like I didn't really like know a whole lot. Like no, hey, I totally can relate to that. I wanted to be the shortstop for the San Diego Padres only because I wanted yeah, there we go. Only because I wanted to live in San Diego, man. Yeah, but, you know, it's a good place. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so Isaiah Hodgins, there's going to be a youth football camp, uh, amped events, Rumson High School, Rumson, New Jersey, April 22nd. Uh, kids ages. Seven to 12 years old, you could uh go register at ampedevents.com backslash mm-hmm. Isaiah dash Hodgins. Hey man, I appreciate your time and your story, by the way, is pretty cool. It's a it's a great story, but there's a lot more to be written. So hopefully we can yes, uh, sure. we, we can we can write it along the way. And I wish you more success, man. For sure, man. Appreciate that so much. Thank you again for having me. You got it. We'll do it again soon. I'll see you uh, when you get back here in the spring, man. All right, cool. Yeah, look forward to it. On to the next one. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, pretty cool interview right there, Isaiah Hodges. Every time you talk to him, you just come away feeling good. Just a, 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 a good dude, man. Uh, really positive vibes when you, when you talk to him. So, uh, great story. It would be really awesome if that story continues to move forward. I mean, I certainly think... He's going to be in the mix at wide receiver next year. Uh, I don't necessarily think he's going to be their number one wide receiver, but I think Isaiah Hodgins has really earned himself a role with the Giants. Uh, you know, whether it says a number two or number three receiver, I, I do think uh, he showed them enough this past year that he's going to get that opportunity. So it it should be a, a fun little story there to watch Isaiah Hodgins and and see where this goes and. Uh, that camaraderie, that chemistry he's developed with Daniel Jones as it gets better, can that help take his game to the next level? Or to have, you know, the the uh, more talent around him at wide receiver, does that help him do more damage? So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. I'll do a little quick Jordan on the beat here to wrap it up, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, this is the portion of the podcast where I tell you what it's like to uh, cover the Giants, work for ESPN, or cover the NFL in general. we got the Combine coming up next week, so that's always interesting and fun. But this past week, I'll tell you a little bit about the... So I broke the story on the Daniel Jones agent switch. Now, I knew probably for almost 24 hours before I even reported it. So I know I hear he's switching agents. 
Now I got to go get it confirmed because I want to get it from somebody else. And I want, I want, you know, some details on it. I didn't at the time know which agent he was actually switching to. So I, and I also, this is a, a big part of it. In these kind of situations, I want to reach out to Daniel Jones and tell him, hey, look, uh, I'm going to report this. I heard this. Hey, if you could confirm it for me, you'd be, you know, want to tell me any, anything or say anything about it. But I also want to give him a heads up. And same for uh, when I found out who the agent was going to be. Same for him. Like, I don't want to just put it out there and have them bombarded and uh, blindsided. So I reached out to Daniel Jones and waited a little while. Didn't hear back from him. Found out later. He's in Turks and Caicos. You know, so as all this, you know, the, the, as the the cyclone is is twisting and, uh, you know, the everyone's making insinuations about it means this and that and, and this. He wants $45 million, this, that. Daniel Jones, meanwhile, is on vacation in, in Turks. Okay, so he's enjoying himself. Uh, Joe Shane, while we're at it, is on vacation this week, too. You know, so, and Brian Dable, this is like a down week for, for most guys. So, uh, you know, as all this stuff is going on and all this talk is going on, these guys are basically sitting by the pool, uh, catching some rays and working on their tan and their golf games. Uh, but anyway, I wanted to give Daniel Jones a heads up. And then when I found out the agent, too, I knew that as well. I wanted to give him a heads up. So I reported it that, uh, hey, he's making an agent change from this agency to that agency. I gave him enough time where at least I, I, I felt like I gave him an opportunity where he wouldn't just be completely bombarded. Because the second this gets out and people start making these ins, you know, insinuations, all these reports coming out, I'm sure he starts getting text messages. Joe Shane starts getting text messages. Brian Dable starts getting text messages. Uh, Athletes first, CAA, like, and these kind of things that goes around in the, you know, in a circle and everybody's, you know, texting and, and sending the tweet to people. And, and, you know, like that's, that's the way this works and it goes around and it's like a little gossip, uh, uh, society, like a high school gossipy environment, but that, that's what it is between players. That's what it is between agents. That's what it is in the whole NFL circle. So I would professionally like to give them a heads up so that they know that that cyclone is about to spin out of control and they can handle it however they want. And always you want to give them an opportunity to comment on it, right? Daniel Jones, I wanted to give him the opportunity if he wants to comment on why he left CAA or what it means that he's switching agencies. Now, he obviously did not comment on it and never got back to me yet, but uh, I at least still gave him the opportunity. And then if guys complain later on and say, hey, look, I, that's the thing. I always want to give you the opportunity to respond. I gave you the opportunity. And same with agents. I do this all the time. Like, hey, I'm reporting this. Just want to give you a heads up. If you want to give your context or comment, go ahead. But don't complain to me afterwards. I gave you the opportunity to say whatever you want about it before I reported it. So in these kind of situations, that's kind of like that's kind of how I try to handle it and how I handle this one. So, uh, next thing you know, you report it, gets out there, and then, you know, all these things get keep getting piled on top of it, and it becomes what it is now. And uh, now here we sit, and Daniel Jones, it's official, uh, went through. Usually, you need a five days. I believe that five days was waived. That was reported by Ryan Dunleavy of the uh, Post, but eventually, I it popped up in the NFL PA file. So it's officially done. 
Daniel Jones is now an Athletes First client. Uh, Athletes First is a huge agency, by the way. They represent tons of players. They represent big quarterbacks. Uh, they represent plenty of giants. Uh, but it really depends on the agents you go to. Like uh, Xavier McKinney, he moved to Athletes First this offseason. He's with David Mulligetta over at Athletes First. Big agent, represents Landon Collins as well. Ton of safeties. A bunch of quarterbacks as well. He did Deshaun Watson. Uh, there's a bunch of guys over there. They do. They did Aaron Rodgers, like I said. Colt McCoy, I believe. I mean, there's plenty of other quarterbacks. Brian Murphy, who's the point man of Daniel Jones. I, I didn't really see any huge quarterbacks he did, but he's done a lot of big players. I believe he was Anthony Barr's agent. Uh, Kyle Rudolph. Um, I mean, you go, you just go Google it. You could find he he has a very impressive client list over a very long period of time. Harvard Law grad, which always uh, impresses me. I don't know really what that means, but I'm a big believer. And if somebody walks around wearing an Ivy League shirt, it impresses me. Maybe that's just me being shallow and gullible or foolish, but I don't know. When I see people, like if somebody's wearing it, like if I walked around wearing a Princeton shirt, I feel like people would think I'm smarter just because I'm wearing a Princeton shirt. Because I know I, when I'm on the other side of the table, I instantly think that person's smart because he's wearing a Princeton or a Harvard shirt. But Brian Murphy actually did go to Harvard Law School and uh, was a lawyer before he got into the agency business. So we'll see where this goes. A lot in the hands of Brian Murphy, Daniel Jones, Joe Shane. Uh, likely is going to determine the outcome of Saquon Barkley's future. But we'll get more into Barkley in, in the coming weeks. That's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. We'll do a Giants After Dark coming up. We'll do a big Giants After Dark. So send me your questions. Uh, Instagram is always a good spot. Twitter, uh, email, Facebook, TikTok. You know where to find me. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan. You're listening to Breaking Big Blue. See you next time.